1: This is God's truth in action.
0: Welcome to Engaging Truth. I'm your host, Matt Popovitz, and with me on the program today is Jeff Muckow. He's a pastor, and he's with us on the program to talk about the realities of ministry. Inside the mind of a pastor, what are the things that he worries about? What are the things that keeps him up at night? What are the hopes and dreams he has for the people like you that fill his pews? And sometimes fill his inbox with complaints. Jeff, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank
1: you, I appreciate it. It's good to see you.
0: It's good to see you. And uh, you know, tell our audience how long have you been a pastor, and tell us what you love the most about being in ministry.
1: Okay, cool. Um, I was. Um, I'm a. I'm an American kid from Virginia. I was born in 1966. I went to uh, public schools all the way up to college. I went to Concordia College in Bronxville, New York. And after four years of Bronxville, New York, I decided I was going to Adelaide, Australia to go to seminary until my mother found out about that. And I'm the youngest. I'm the baby. So my mother said he is not going to Australia. So instead of Australia, I went to beautiful Edmonton, Alberta. And um, and when I got there, it was beautiful. It was 110 degrees. And uh, then within another two months, it was minus 45. And uh but I went to a little seminary that just started up a year before up in Edmonton, one of our Concordia seminaries. And I went to seminary for five years because I spent two years in Victoria, British Columbia. And I was a university chaplain there at the University of Victoria. And then I went back, finished my master's thesis on how to bring the gospel to the Canadian undergraduate. And then after that, I got a call to British Columbia and I was a pastor in Canada until 2001. Uh, 2002 and then well september 11th happened and i happened to be in austin texas at the time visiting my folks and from there i was i was trapped in the united states for a week and i was with jerry kishnick one day and and uh, uh pastor linderman and uh, we were upstairs after redeemer lutheran church and he said jerry kishnick said you know jeffrey he goes yeah i know jeff he goes you make sure this boy gets home next thing you know i'm getting all these little nepotism nibbles as I call them, um, because they know my dad really well. And, and next thing you know, I'm getting uh, calls to little Texas and from British Columbia, which is quite a jaunt, quite a, quite a travel. And I went to Orange, Texas, and that's where I met my wife. And then I came to Houston, Texas. Um, and I've been the associate pastor here for about 12 years. And then Pastor Welmer, the senior pastor, died out of a heart attack. And after a year and a half, I became the senior pastor here so i've been a pastor since 1993 and here's the american in me i was july 4th 1993 and i was a pastor they made a pastor in canada and uh with lutheran church canada for i was with them for about 15 years and so that gave me a great perspective on well it gave me a great accent for one thing i say a still and and schedule every now and then and things like that but uh it just gave me a great perspective on my country, and, and I miss my brother. So when I got back, I joined Pastors Leadership Institute to try to get to know some American pastors. And uh, that didn't work out as much as I was hoping, but it was a nice time for my wife and myself and got to learn some new principles, some ways of thinking. And then, uh, But since then, I, I've been a pastor, and I'm, in, I'm digging it. The, the thing I love most about being a pastor is watching the light shine in people's eyes when they, when they understand the grace of God. You know, when they start saying those crazy things, like "So you mean I could do anything I want and God will still love me and forgive me?" and I'll be like, "Yeah, that, they, yeah." And they so, so let's say I kill sin. they start going into it, you know, like deep into this like degrees of sin, and I said, "Yeah, if you if if you believe in what Jesus did on that cross for you, you're forgiven." I said, "I know, I don't believe, I don't want to believe it either." At times, I said, "It's crazy. It's just too simple. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. It goes against the grain of everything we believe." in life but man it's it's it, that 's what makes it so true because it 's so alternative it 's so unreal it 's so numinous um, it's it 's so not human attainable it 's something grace is so unique, and so I love watching grace take place in people 's lives
0: so so often you know when people go to church they they see their pastor only on Sunday or maybe there 's some midweek Bible study they go to and they they see him there. And so, so, for many parishioners, their understanding of what a pastor does is very focused on, on Sunday morning, you know, preaching and administering the Lord's Supper or teaching a Bible study. But is that, is that all that a pastor does, Jeff? <laughs> Depends on who you ask.
1: If you ask my wife, she'll say yes. Um, if you're talking to me, I'll have to say no. Uh, I, 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 uh, I just got back into playing disc golf again. I used to be a scratch player playing disc golf, and then I got bursitis in my shoulder and got away from it and added 30 pounds to myself just to make it more annoying to get back into shape again. And um, and I like to play video games. I, I, I like to do things like I'm a pool player. I play eight ball. I played in the league for years and learned a lot of tricks with some guys who used to go to Vegas every year. And so when I go out and play pool especially, I tell everybody who's I'm with, don't tell anybody I'm a pastor. Hmm. Usually two things happen. Usually they swear like sailors, trying to throw my game off, but it doesn't throw my game off. That encourages me all the more. And our, or what they do is is they get into some long drawn out. I just want to play pool, and now we're into the into the realm of ministry and talking about the distinctions of Christianity. And, and man, I just want to play pool. You know, every now and then I, I just want to play pool. It's like when I used to get on a plane from Canada to the United States, and I used to put on headphones and put on shades. But that, even though I wanted to just fly and enjoy my my Walkman and, and just have my fun, God would have a witch sit next to me, or He would have some Satanist sit next to me. And and, and I mean, it's it, God's just got such a wonderful sense of humor with me. But uh, there are times I just crave being Jeff. And be, but but Jeff Jeff is not Jeff is under some constraints as a pastor because, for instance, I don't drink in front of parishioners. It's not that I'm against drinking. I think drinking's fine. Um, I just don't want to be the catalyst for somebody who has a drinking problem for them seeing me and then equating, you know, and this is my own thing. I'm not saying other pastors need to do this or this is just my own thing based on my upbringing. And it brought me to this conclusion that it's better just not to drink. So I go to weddings and my wife will hand me the keys and she drinks. She has no issue with any of this stuff, but I'm the one like, Hey, okay, I I got it. And, And I, and that's just how I am. And, uh, But what's great about that is when I do have a margarita or a Bloody Mary, it's an exciting drink. It takes on a whole new character. So, yeah, but but it's hard to be Jeff sometimes, and it's hard to even watch TV. It's hard to watch movies. It's hard to watch anything or read anything without thinking, how can I um, be a utilitarian with this? How can I use this for the sake of the gospel? And that's probably not so bad, but... But, you know, sometimes I'm really searching when I'm reading my Conan comics or things like that. Um, Sometimes there's just things not there and I'm trying to make things up because I'm just I just I just want to make use of every bit of my time. Even when I'm doing driving, I listen to podcasts um that, that entertain me or teach me about things. I just want to be so aware so that I can help people wherever they're at. So but I'm still Jeff. I'm just Jeff. But. And around here my staff they know me as Jeff. They see me in shorts all the time. They see me in barefoot sometimes. They see me, you know, I'm not a guy who dresses up. Um they call me pastor. They they, they I we did, you know, cuz that just keeps some sense of 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 what's going on here. But um they might have even forgotten my name, who knows. But 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 there they, that's what I do here. I just I try to we try to I try to treat this place like a mash unit and we have a lot of fun here. And then all of a sudden ministry comes, you know, in and radar or whoever says, hey, there's choppers and we all get to work. But I love being Jeff, but I also enjoy being pastor, too. And when you're in a church with a school and a preschool, you get a You get it. You get that other dimension of being a pastor. That's like a celebrity that you don't get in other realms. You know, yeah. Jeff doesn't get that. When I go home, I'm taking out the trash. I'm I'm changing the cat litter. I'm doing all the things that, you know, the king doesn't do. Um but when I'm here I I certainly don't demand that people treat me better, but people do treat me they joke around with me, they tell me stories. Um they even tell me if I'm wrong. Um and that's hmm. that's exciting when your own staff feels comfortable enough to do that with you yeah. without without worrying about, you know, repercussions, but just worrying about the main mission.
0: Yeah.
1: I miss being Jeff sometimes. When we go when we go on family vacations I can be Jeff. When I go to my family or her my wife's family, I can be Jeff.
0: Well, you know, it's it's great that you share that because, really, why we wanted to have you on the show is to talk about really what's going on inside the heart and mind of pastors. You know, so often all that we see, if, if we're a parishioner, is that Sunday morning presence, and and we don't know, or we can lose sight of the fact that our pastor is a real human being, with uh, with real with real hurts, with real pains, with real joys, with with real successes, real struggles as well. And, uh, and we can kind of uh, romanticize the spiritual leaders in our life. Uh, one of the things you talked about that I want to I dig deeper into is you said that, that you can struggle to, um, to not try and use everything you encounter for the work of ministry. So you're watching a movie with your family, you're you know, reading a book, and there's this constant awareness of, I might need to or I could use this for a sermon or for an illustration in a Bible study or to encourage yep. somebody else. It,
1: yep. it,
0: is that true? Is there there's just a constant awareness of how you might need to use oh, everything you wait, encounter wait, wait. for ministry?
1: Matt, I, I try to stay up on culture as much as I can. So I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not a pietist. I'm a, I'm a pastor who believes you should be salt and light and you should understand your people. So I have watched Game of Thrones. I have watched Sopranos. I have watched these shows that, you know, people. But it's amazing the discussions I get into. But one day I was watching Ozark, okay, pretty, pretty, like, crazy show, money laundering and and all this stuff. And there was this great, like, speech between this preacher and this woman that he kidnapped. And and they're, they're talking, and he's talking about reality as he sees it, and she's talking about reality as he sees it. And I'm thinking, oh, this would be so great. I should record this. I could use this for communication. And then she drops an f-bomb, because I show lots of f-bombs. I'm thinking, oh, oh, it was such a great illustration. And, I, and I, that happens a lot. Like I'll come across a great illustration, and there'll be all of a sudden be some some derogatory phrase or something that throws it off. I'm thinking, oh, why did they do that? That would have been perfect what I'm trying to teach. And so it's just little things like that that uh, that I can't get. I turn. I can't turn off. And and sometimes it's good. And sometimes a lot of fun, but I'm a nightmare. I'm a nightmare to walk through a museum. With. I'm a nightmare. My wife will tell you that. Because I'm always, because I was a campus minister for two years. So I had to learn a lot about evolution and creation. And I mean, and so I walked through and I'm like, Sonia, how do they know what colors those dinosaurs were? Like, that's crazy. Or the sounds they make. Give me a break. All right, I'm just mm-hmm. going, and she goes, would you shut up? And I'm like. If they attach another zero to the end of that, maybe I'll start to believe that that bird became a fish, you know. And,
0: and, I, and, and we
1: just joke. And she says, stop it already. But it's because I just can't turn off any of this stuff. Mm. And nor do I, I'm, I'm a con, My buddy in seminary said, Jeff, you're a consummate teacher. No matter what you do, where you go, you're always teaching. And I, I try not to be patronizing. I try not to be pedantic in my teaching. I try to be helpful and mm-hmm. funny. Like I try to joke around with it and... and and a lot of times, my dad always taught me, my dad's a pastor, and he always taught me, if you talk about mistakes from the pulpit, always talk about yourself. He said, but if you talk about accomplishments and victories, talk about somebody else. Hmm. He goes, that will just keep you safe. Hmm. And so, but, but, yeah, just, just turn, it, it, it's so hard to turn it off. It yeah. really is. So but it's so fun. Sometimes you see things that, that other people don't see, you know.
0: So, so, what are some of the things that, and just speaking from your own experience, you know, what are some of the things that make a pastor really sad or depressed? Is it attendance numbers on Sunday morning? Is that the only thing that can get it, get you guys down? I'm a Stephen minister. I, I'm a trained Stephen
1: leader, so I'm big on process-oriented goals. I'm big on the process. God is God is in charge of the results. So mm-hmm. numbers numbers and those things. I, I never quantify numbers. I always remember some crazy story about a. A young lad who was organ grinding with his mom one time and a missionary came in, talked about deep dark Africa, and it was a blizzard that night and only he, the pastor, and his mom were able to be there. And that fellow grew up to be Jonathan Livingston and he, you know, he became one of the greatest missionaries ever. So you come across stories like that, you just say, man, it's not about numbers. Numbers are for my own ego, and, and, you know, probably for other people's egos, but it's not about numbers. What makes me sad is when I'm either misunderstood. In applying the gospel, when people people see it as law, and I realize I, I I mingled it somehow in their in their hearing because that's that's a big concern of mine. Um, but what's sad is when people misunderstand my intentions.
0: Mm.
1: We had a hurricane in in, uh, in Orange Texas when I was there, and I and I went with my wife to Baton Rouge because that's where she's from, and uh, I was trying to contact people, but the grid was down in a lot of Orange Texas after hurricane. That's what happens. The... The grid goes down, and it's hard to get cell phones through. And I was I was trying to reach some members who I knew stayed there, but they never saw evidence of either my message coming through or anything because it didn't even go through the satellite. And then they misunderstood. You know, they made it sound like I didn't care about them. And I and I, I, and I just said, is this really worth fighting over me? And, my gosh, they, they've heard me preach. They've been around me. And those are the things that make you sad when, when the stuff that you do – gets tossed aside for one little occasion, and the people raise that up in front of you and make that the barrier between you and them. That's that.
0: Yeah. yeah. You're listening to Engaging Truth. I'm Matt Popovitz. We're here with Pastor Jeff Muckow. We're getting inside the mind of an everyday parish pastor. What are some of the things that they struggle with? What are some of the worries that they have? Uh, what are some of the, uh, the needs that they have? And, that, and, that, and that's what I want to shift to right now, Jeff, is uh, what are some ways in which parishioners can encourage the pastors in their lives
1: when you hear something in a sermon that you enjoy specific, specify it let the pastor know exactly what it was don't just say that was a that was good sermon you know that that doesn't do much for anything to help us know because sometimes it's those times that people don't see they just see the tip of the iceberg and they don't see all the time that went into the sermon and something that you were struggling with and toying with and God was 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 pushing you and pulling you in different ways and you finally went with it and it's so cool when you hear that reciprocated back to you from somebody. And that was a thing that really touched them. And you realize and you start to see how God is connected in this whole process of of, of preaching the word and, and so that's one thing. Another thing is is um just put the best construction on everything before you believe it about not only myself but about other people. Um don't 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 believe something you hear from somebody. It might just be their interpretation of events. And don't assume that pastors are omniscient. We're not. If you don't call us and let us know you're in the hospital, we really don't know you're in the hospital. And, uh, and these days, you can't even go into the hospital, in some hospitals, unless you know the room in which the patient's in. And so it's little things like that that, you know, realize we're just people and we're trying to help. But when I started pastoral ministry... We had a little room in the hospitals we could go to, and there'd be a ledger, and we could pull, 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 go through it, and it would show you every person who's in the hospital along with their denomination, and we could see who to visit. I know. This is before HIPAA laws came into, you know, and so I've been passed for a long time, and that was kind of cool because then you could, you could, you know, have some touch points, but uh, there were so many abuses with HIPAA. I understand why we went that direction, too. But yeah, just be specific about what you like about what your pastor taught you, or about what your pastor preached to you. Assume the best rather than the worst, and also assume that your pastor really does care about you. Um, you know, start there instead of starting in another place, because there's a lot of lot of um, a lot of pain that goes into getting where we are as pastors. We we put a lot on the line. We, we get up on a Sunday morning and, and we're sharing our heart with you. It's not just like we're sharing a bunch of words from some some page. We're sharing our very heart. I can't tell you how many pastors would gladly share with you how exhausted they are on Sunday after church. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it's one service, it's two services, three services. It doesn't matter. You're, you're laying your heart out there in front of people with something that's very precious, which is the faith in Jesus Christ. So realize that, you know, we do get tired. And realize it's okay that we say no to things. I, I, you know, if I asked you to do something that wasn't in your skill set, I certainly wouldn't want you to fake doing it and do it. Just say no. And if allow me the same thing, there are things I don't know how to do. Allow me just to say no. I, I don't feel like I'm the best, and realize that, you know, extorting me about how you know you pay my salary and, and all this. I haven't had. But I don't run into do this anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm probably not as insecure as a past anymore because I've been doing this for a long time. So the things that used to bother me when I was twenty seven don't even matter now that I'm fifty-four. It's it's they're just totally different. Um now I don't need people to give me praise and worship, even though it's kinda nice to get praise every now and then. But I know if it's a good sermon after it's preached. I know if it came together well. And that's not it's not so much area, it's just it's an art. And so over time you learn how to do this art. But realize we're we're trying all the time. And as pastors, you know, we're trying all the time to make sure that you know about Jesus. That's, that's our biggest concern. Yeah. My biggest concern is not my own life. That was given up a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So reaffirm that, then I had a wife and kids just to realize how much I can give of my life. Yeah. I, I, I'm not here for myself. I'm here for yeah. them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Is, is, past- it dif- is it difficult when people leave a congregation I- without telling you? Sometimes.
1: <laughs> sometimes it's, it's good for everybody involved. Um, you know, squeaky, I remember one time saying squeaky wheels get the grease, and I had somebody from the congregation say, yeah, but sometimes squeaky wheels get replaced. And I thought that's pretty funny. Um, but, yeah, sometimes it hurts. Uh, we had a lot of that happen when we moved from Jersey Village out to here to Copperfield. We lost uh, quite a few members in the transition. Um, and and that surprised us because we weren't ready for that, but it also blessed us in ways that new leaders emerged where they didn't have an access to leadership before because there were people in the same spot, so they were maneuvering from different council spots, and uh, and they weren't giving anybody else any chance to show leadership. And So sometimes when people go away, it allows other people to rise up that weren't able to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's God's kingdom. It, it's his kingdom. And and so that doesn't bother me nearly as much as I, it probably should. Um, my elders probably would would want, would want it to bother me, but it's God's kingdom. And if someone's going to another church because they feel like they're getting fed better there, that's okay. Not everybody likes my mother's meals either. You know, it, it's it's oh it's okay. Um, it, it's not. A, Saint Paul was a boring preacher from everything I learned about the Eutychus story. I mean, he put someone to sleep and he killed him. To get worse than that, and then rather than get the hint that it's time to go, he went up there, brought him back to life, and continued preaching until the morning. I mean, Paul just didn't get it, but but it's okay. Not all of us, not all of us, um, not all of us help as much as we. Uh, I always view the gospel like a gem, like a, like a beautiful, like a diamond. And as a pastor, I see it from a few angles that I've been taught, and I've also seen from other lay people teaching me, and and even my own insight. And what I've learned is that that gem is so beautiful and so big that everyone has something to offer to that gem of this Jesus. And the more that we're around each other as Christians, the more that we flesh out this beautiful gem called Jesus. And and, and that's, what it, that's what it needs to all be about. From my end and also helping other people see what their end is. It's We're here to shine Jesus to the world. That's what we're here to do. We're not here to be a social club. We're not here... And when people—that's another thing that hurts—is when people misconstrue what the church is actually about. Like we have a school and a preschool, and that's a big burden on a church. You know, I think you're very aware of that. And um, and yet it it shouldn't be because we've got ready bodies coming into our building. I mean, doing this is unbelievable. They're coming into our building and they're actually wanting something from us. And and why wouldn't we want to divert a lot of our energy to this? This mission, which is right on our doorstep i mean it's it's when people say, "Oh well, the, you know we should always go out to the neighborhood and I'm like, yeah, we should but but let's 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 work with this right now because this is kind of energy this is cool energy, yeah. and i'm not I'm not opposed to doing the others, but maybe we'll learn through this how better to reach that, mm-hmm. and if we try to be all things to all people all at once, we 're going to drain ourselves much like we would in real life, mm-hmm. so yeah i don 't even know what the question was anymore but Probably
0: out of time, Jeff. We've got about a minute left, and okay. <laughs> with, with with that with that minute we've got left, what would you say as as a as a as a pastor who's now you know shared a bit of your heart with us? Yeah. What would you say if you, if you had thirty seconds to encourage a weary pastor to to give him some gospel? What would you say to him?
1: Trust in that cross. When things look tough, that's that's when God's at work. Um, the cross is a sign of how God works. When, when, when the suffering seems to be all you have, realize that now you're in the realm of where Jesus does his best. And, and hold on to that. And, and hold on, you know, as, as tightly as you can. But even better than that, know that he's holding on to you. And he will never let you slip. And, and he will help you through this too, just like he's helped you through other things before this. So hang on. Others have gone through it too. Call one of your friends. I bet you'd be surprised how quickly they'd say, yeah, I go through this all the time.
0: Jeff, thank you so much for being a guest on Engaging Truth.
1: Okay, well, thanks for asking. I appreciate it. God bless you.
0: And thank you for listening. We hope you join us next time. Same time, same channel here on Engaging Truth.
1: Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas 77410 or visit our website at elmhouston.org or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.